0: so when we read the Christian scriptures we believe we're doing more than simply studying an ancient text we believe God actually speaks to us through these words so let's take a moment of silence to clear our minds and quiet our hearts to listen to God's word follow along with me Jesus was in one of the towns where there was also a man covered with a skin disease. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged, Lord, if you want, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand, touched him, and said, I do want to be clean. Instantly, the skin disease left him. Jesus ordered him not to tell anyone. Instead, Jesus said, Go and show yourself to the priest, and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses instructed. This will be a testimony to them. News of him spread even more, and huge crowds gathered to listen, and to be healed from their illnesses. But Jesus would withdraw to deserted places for prayer.
1: Uh, Let's let's pray together. Uh, God, when we gather... Um, we don't have to, like, summon you into our midst. God, we don't have to uh, beg you to be here. You're already here. What we do need, God, are our ears to be unstopped, our eyes to be opened, and our hearts to be receptive so that we can live life with you. And so, God, we pray that as we receive your word, that all of those things would happen. We pray that we would position ourselves in such a way to listen, to lean in, and see you wherever it is you're working. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Uh, so my 10th birthday was the most disappointing birthday that I have ever had in my entire life. It uh, was awful. So back in Indiana where I like kind of grew up, I kind of grew up in southern Indiana, but then I moved to Kansas City, right, go Chiefs, when I was in fifth grade. Uh, But before I moved, I really, really wanted to go to Holiday World, which is a theme park in southern Indiana, uh, for the Halloween haunt, right? I was turning 10 years old and since my birthday is on the 27th of October, I thought that it would be a really, really good idea to get all of my friends together and go to the Halloween haunt for my birthday, right? It was It was fantastic. Everything was perfect and I begged my parents for weeks to let me go. But I wasn't allowed to go because it was too scary and because it was too far away and because my parents didn't want me and my friends to be scarred for life, right? (laughs) And, you know, honestly, like when I think back on it, I don't really know what I was thinking. Uh, Because around that same age, uh, I watched Ghost Hunters on Discovery Channel after my parents had gone to bed and had to shower with the door open for weeks. So I have no idea what I was thinking, like why going to the Halloween haunt would have been a good idea for me. Um, But that's besides the point, right? I I didn't get to go. My parents wouldn't let me. Uh, And instead, I had to go to Skateland. I had to go to Skateland. Nothing could have been worse than Skateland. I mean, I actually ended up having a really, really good time, and I'm actually really thankful that my parents spared me another week without having to shower with the door open. But I had to go to Skateland, and my 10th birthday was ruined. Uh, And just like any disappointment that we face, no matter what it is, whether it's significant or something as trivial as having to go to Skateland for your 10th birthday... Disappointments always involve some kind of expectation that we have that is ultimately not met. Right? Every disappointment that we experience involves having some kind of expectation that in some way is not met. And right? We are no stranger to disappointments. And neither were the Jews of Jesus' day. Neither were the Jews of Jesus' day. Because you see, 2,000 years ago, right, when Jesus came onto the scene, the people of Israel had all of these insane expectations about who Jesus was going to be. But the thing is, Jesus failed almost all of those expectations. So in other words, Jesus was a huge disappointment for a lot of the Jewish people of his day, though for a lot of other people, he exceeded expectations. So Jesus was about 30-ish years old when he started his ministry. And for its entire three-year duration, he preached one main idea over and over and over again. And if you read the gospel accounts, particularly Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll see this everywhere. Jesus says over and over again, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He wouldn't shut up about it. The entire time he was preaching, he preached, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, upon hearing Jesus' message, right, the Jews of Jesus' day would have been stoked out of their minds. I mean, here was this man, right, doing incredible, miraculous things and preaching about the kingdom of God. Right, the long-expected kingdom of God. Right, the kingdom that the prophet Isaiah Hundreds of years before, had anticipated the kingdom that was going to come in and make it so that everyone could live with God. It's as if the Jews of Jesus' day were headed straight to Holiday World for the Halloween haunt, and they were stoked about it. I mean, they were pumped. The kingdom of God was at hand. Nothing could have been more exciting. They were stoked. At least they were, right? until they realized what Jesus actually meant by the kingdom of God, and who's invited. So when I was little, I really loved the board game Risk. Uh, If you're familiar, right? Yeah, nobody likes the board game Risk, because Risk sucks. It really does. But when I was little, I really loved Risk. Uh, And if you're not familiar with it, basically a game where you just kind of like, you know, it's, it's a map of the world, you roll die, try to defeat other people that you're playing with and and try to conquer and take over the world, right? And so when I was really little, I thought it was a blast, you know, strategically invading other people's lands and like, yeah, slowly conquering the world. And you see, that's kind of what Israel was expecting with the Messiah and the kingdom of God. They expected the Messiah to be this powerful and conquering warlord, and, and they expected the kingdom of God to be this superpower that would take everyone out and set Israel at the top. And the Jewish elite expected themselves to be exalted, glorified, and honored in this conquering kingdom. Because according to them, they alone had maintained holiness in God's sight, while everyone else had failed to meet his standards. And so what they did is they actively tried to cut themselves off from anyone that they deemed unworthy or unholy, and in anticipation of this conquering king, tried to set themselves above everyone else. But when Jesus, right, the true Messiah, the the true king, actually came, when he started his ministry, he, he didn't launch a war campaign. And neither did he exalt the elite at the exclusion of those the elite considered unworthy. Instead, as we read in the passage that Chuck opened up a few weeks ago, Jesus launched his ministry... By standing up in the midst of the synagogue and reading from the scroll of Isaiah and saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor and freedom for prisoners, new sight for the blind and freedom for the oppressed. So, in other words, Jesus inverted everyone's expectations. For a lot of people, he was a disappointment. And instead of preaching and proclaiming this kingdom that that was going to conquer everyone, he preached an upside down kind of kingdom, not of conquest or exclusion, but one within which everyone, right, including and especially those deemed unworthy, can come and enjoy life with God. And in the verses that Casey read for us just a moment ago, Luke, right, one of the four gospel compilers, gives us this incredible picture about what all of this stuff about the kingdom of God and Jesus' message actually looks like. And it starts there in verse 12 with a man covered in leprosy. Most translations that you read will probably say leprosy. Uh, And used by by the biblical authors, didn't actually designate a specific skin disease. Uh, So this translation that we read earlier actually nailed it. Um, so we don't actually know exactly what kind of stuff this guy was going through physically. Uh, we don't know what kind of skin disease he actually had. But we do know that if you had a skin disease in the ancient Near East as a Jewish person, you were subject to extreme social isolation. Right? One, for fear of it spreading to other people. And two... Because having a skin disease was considered ritually unclean. But not just like unclean. right? Having a skin disease constituted the worst form of impurity in the sense that it involved the maximum amount of impurity that any one person could accumulate without being a dead person. Now, some skin diseases could be cured, and in such cases, steps were provided for becoming clean again. But for those with incurable skin diseases, they were utterly excluded from their communities for fear of making other people ritually unclean. And they were often stigmatized as sinful and immoral, as it was commonly assumed that your physical condition was a direct reflection of your relationship with God. And so unfortunately, it seems like this person in Luke 5 had one of those incurable skin diseases, which means that he would have been completely cut off from any and all community, shamefully condemned as a sinner and stripped of all human dignity with no hope of restoration or healing. Right? If this guy had a family, which, right, surely he did, he would have been completely separated from them, and he would have been forced to watch them live their lives from afar. And if he had friends, which again, surely he had friends, he would have been completely separated from them. And he would have had to watch their relationships flourish and developed again from afar. And not only that, but he wouldn't have been able to worship in the temple and he wouldn't have been able to participate in any religious events. So not only was his social life stripped from him, but so too was this man's spiritual life stripped from him. And whenever I think about this guy, I mean, I just can't imagine the extreme sense of guilt and shame and embarrassment that he must have felt wherever he went. This was a man completely cut off from any and all community. And I wonder, how have you, like this man with the skin disease, been cut off from community? How have you been excluded, isolated, and shut out? Uh, This might be uncomfortable or hard to do, but I just want you to take a few moments and actually think about this. How how have you been cut off from community? Take a few moments to think about the ways that you have experienced social isolation and removal. How have you been cut off from community? Uh, Maybe, like the leper, you've been estranged from your family. Something happened, something went down, things were said, and now tensions are high, feelings are hurt, and you don't really talk to your family as much as maybe you wish you did. Or maybe you're not estranged from your family per se, you know, nothing, nothing big happened, but maybe now you live in a new city, far away from anyone you've ever loved, and making new friends has proved to be way more difficult than you thought it was going to be. How have you been cut off from community? And maybe your friends proved false, and they left you. And now you're all alone. Or maybe it wasn't anything that drastic or or that crazy. You know, nothing happened. Nothing went down. And actually, maybe your friends are really wonderful, incredible people. But their relationships with each other are just a little bit more developed than your relationship with them. And so maybe you kind of find yourself on the outside a little bit. And you wonder if they love and care for you just as much as you love and care for them. How have you been cut off from community? And maybe a better way to frame this actually isn't to ask how have you been cut off from community, but how have you been marginalized or abused by community? How have you been marginalized or abused by community? We all know what it feels like to be cut off, to be isolated, to be removed, to be shut out, to be unwanted. No matter what form it has taken or how it has happened, I just want you to know that I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the ways that you've been ignored, isolated, and removed. And for those to whom this applies, I am so sorry that you have had to deal with things like racism and sexism and spiritual abuse. But I want you to know that that what's beautiful about this passage is that despite the ways that we have been ignored, isolated, and removed, Jesus nevertheless invites us and ushers us into a life with God and the people of God. He invites us into true community, into the kingdom of God, where each and every one of us can rest and belong. Over and over and over again, Jesus preached and proclaimed the good news that the kingdom of God is near. And to the horror of the elite of the day, everyone was invited. Everyone could come, and everyone has a place. I really, really love the way that Paul says it in the book of Colossians. Maybe you saw it on the uh, church's Instagram story this week. And Paul says it this way. He says, All the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmony because of his death, because of Jesus' death. And his blood that poured down from the cross. Jesus, he's the one. He's the one that invites us and ushers us into a life with God and the people of God. Now, many of us have probably heard that before. We've heard that Jesus is the one that invites us and ushers us into a life with God and the people of God. But maybe because of what you've experienced regard to community, you've found yourself unable or hesitant to accept that invitation to embrace Jesus' calling. So I just want to ask another question, and I want to encourage you to reflect and think, though again, it might be a little bit uncomfortable. What is it that is keeping you from embracing Jesus' invitation? <coughs> What is it that is keeping you from embracing a life with God and the people of God? Just think about it for a moment. Maybe you were once told that you're a problem. Maybe you were told that you were a a stumbling block for other people. Or maybe maybe you were told that, that you are unworthy of love. Whether you were told that Explicitly or implicitly. Because of that, you now have this deep-seated shame and guilt. Not because you deserve that, but because others made it their goal to reduce you and demean you. Or maybe instead of guilt and shame, you understandably carry bitterness and contempt because of the ways that you were cut off from community. You were mistreated. And now you are upset and angry, and you have a hard time embracing anything that even closely resembles that which hurt you. Maybe you're dealing with something like embarrassment. Maybe because of your past, you feel uneasy or uncomfortable approaching Jesus. Sharply aware of how hurt. And how vulnerable you feel. What is it that is keeping you from embracing Jesus' invitation to a life with God and the people of God? And no matter what it is, whatever it is, I want you to know that it's okay. Whether you're carrying shame, guilt, bitterness, or even if you're carrying like a ton of doubts. It's okay. Those feelings are okay, and and that doubt is okay. I'm pretty sure the leper, the man with the skin disease, probably felt something very similar. But what I want to do is I want to draw your attention to what Jesus does in this passage. Because right there in verse 13, it says that Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him, and and immediately the skin disease was cured. Now, according to Jewish law, right, touching a man with a skin disease would have made Jesus impure. But Jesus touched him anyway. And instead of the leper's impurity contaminating Jesus, Jesus' touch actually cleansed the man and made him whole again. And in the exact same way that Jesus reached out to make the leper whole again, Jesus reaches out to make each and every one of us whole. And he reaches out past our shame. and He reaches out past our guilt. And he reaches out past our disappointment and our hurt and our pain. To touch us. To embrace us. And despite it all, to invite us and usher us into a life with God, and the people of God. And all we have to do, like this person with a skin disease, is approach Jesus in faith. Is faith hard? Absolutely it is. Faith is incredibly difficult. Are you going to experience doubts? Absolutely you will, if you're not already experiencing a ton of doubts. But know that if you approach him, know that if you approach Jesus with with faith in one hand and, and whatever else you're carrying in the other, whether it be shame, guilt, or a ton of doubts, I promise you, you will certainly find that he is waiting for you to invite you and to usher you into a life with God and the people of God. Let's pray. God community is often promised and rarely delivered. Community is often promised and rarely delivered and God we have felt that. And so God we pray that you would begin to tear down those barriers. You would begin to tear down those things that keep us from you whether they be things like like guilt or undeserved shame. God take it away. Embrace us and help us to accept your invitation. God, you're good, and we trust that you're working in us and around us. Amen.